Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading from the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today what I'm going to be doing is helping you out with your summer book reading list. Uh, you most likely, if you're listening to this podcast, are between the ages of, say, 6 and 13. And being in that age range, you've got your summer reading book list, and I wanted to help you out by giving you a heads up on the kind of things you're going to be reading and what other people think about them. In particular, I'm going to be reading the one-star reviews of classic novels that can be found on Amazon.com. And the first book, the first classic novel that we're going to be reading reviews for is Moby Dick by Herman Melville. And the first review is a one-star review by James Yanni, entitled, Warning, Heresy Alert. If you can't bear to hear someone say bad things about an alleged classic of American literature, do not read this review. This is, without a doubt, the single most overrated book in the English language. Granted, this doesn't mean it's completely valueless, but considering its exalted reputation, it's amazingly close. On the plus side, the basic plot is certainly a classic plot. A normal fellow sails with compulsive maniac of a sea captain in hunt for a killer denizen of the deep, and is the sole survivor of the experience. Is, after all, essentially the plot to Jaws as well, so clearly this novel has had major long-lasting literary effect. And Melville starts well. The first three to four chapters are a delightful bit of light-hearted scene-setting and character development as we meet Ishmael and his new buddy, the harpooner Queequeg, and the penultimate three chapters, The Chase, Days 1, 2, and 3, are exciting enough. And I won't deny that there are some interesting literary devices applied between these bookends. Periodically, Melville interrupts his attempt at writing a treatise on whale hunting in the 19th century to slip in a bit of character development or plot foreshadowing, but only occasionally. Most of this book is only of value if you're interested in knowing all there is to know about the technical aspects of the whaling industry in the 19th century. Then it's absolutely invaluable. Meanwhile, Melville's style is horribly obtuse, overwordy and convoluted to say nothing of pretentious. As an example, in the chapter The Whiteness of the Whale, Melville spends seven and a half pages, including a 469-word sentence that takes up just one of those pages, saying nothing more complex than that. Although white is frequently considered a good color, in the case of Moby Dick, it is a bad one. Because instead of being reminiscent of purity, it is reminiscent of spectrality. Seven and a half pages to say what I, a mere viewer, can say in 31 words. The whole book is like that. He never uses one word where ten will serve. Mind you, I'm not some high school student forced to read this book for a class, unable to appreciate the classic literature. I am a very well-read 42-year-old who read the book on my own initiative because I felt I wanted to make my own decision about it. I believe in speaking my mind. If I was more complimentary about this book than I have been, I would be being intellectually dishonest. Astonishingly, there are those who consider this the great American novel. If you like pretentious writing and writing that can't keep to its topic but rather keeps wandering off at tangents, I suppose it is. I suppose it is rather amazing that he was able to keep his syntax unscrambled in the above-mentioned 469-word sentence, but that hardly qualifies it for the title of the great American novel. For my money, that title should go to Tom Sawyer, but there is certainly any number of good candidates for that spot. This book is not one of them. A customer writes, they didn't leave their name, it says a customer. Awful. Moby Dick is the most boring book I have ever read. I think if you made it into a short comic strip, you would have liked it. But this 550-page account called a novel? No way, man. I implore you, do not read this book. If it's required, then do so. But if you have other options, turn to those. 
We were given a list of books in English class, and I chose to read this. After a week, I was just in page 103. It was needed the next day, so I panicked and switched books and bought War and Peace, and I finished that book in eight hours of straight reading. And finally, about Moby Dick, I'll read Let the Whale Live and Kill Me Instead by B. Morse. Moby Dick is a classic, a book that you'd have to have lived in a cave on a remote island for your entire life to not have at least heard of the name. The book sat on my bookshelf as part of a series of classic novels I'd been given for some time now. I'd always knew that someday I'd open it and read it, being one of those I-really-should-read-it-at-some-point books. Apparently, I enjoyed this book a lot less than many others who have read it and reviewed it here, because I have to admit that it is one of the most dry, turgid, tedious experiences I have ever had to wade through, and it's under 500 pages long. Perhaps what deterred me from enjoying it was the endless chapters that provide detailed descriptions of the size of the whale's head, or the length of the whale's tail, or the distance from the whale's head to its tail. Chapter upon chapter upon chapter that did nothing to move this story along, did nothing to flesh out the characters any better, and did nothing to hold my interest. While the book is filled with interesting characters, the infamous Captain Ahab, the strange and curious Queequeg, and the immortal Ishmael who provides the narrative for the story, and who seemed, upon reading his story of life on the Pequod, more like a clumsy, giddy little schoolgirl working on a fishing boat than an able-bodied seaman. The cast of characters alone could have been far more interesting, at least to me, to explore than a rapt appraisal of the whale's jawbone, and left me feeling as though I was reading a non-fiction work entitled Everything You'll Never Need to Know About Whales. Call Me Ishmael may start off what, for some, is their favorite written work of all time, Call Me Bored, and unable to really recommend this to anyone other than someone who, for some reason, really desires to know more about the anatomy of a whale. The next book to be reviewed is the classic novel Johnny Tremaine, which I myself have read. And the one-star reviews of Johnny Tremaine are mostly from kids. And we'll start with a kid's review with the title Snore. This book was the most boring book on earth. I started to read it and didn't even get to the part where Johnny gets molten silver all over his hand. I fell asleep. I know a lot of people like it, but I had a hard time even starting it. My teacher even said it was boring. I wouldn't recommend this book to anyone. The next one-star review is entitled Blech. I had to read or tried to read this book for school, and it was terrible. It is one of the slowest-moving books I have ever read. It took me ten minutes to read one page that I would normally read in two. In other words, it does not read quickly. I was not the only one of my classmates who couldn't stand it. Six of us read this book. Six of us hated it. No, despised it. One of my friends said, who would want to read this piece of pig food? I wholeheartedly agree with him. A customer writes, in a review entitled, Worst Book I Have Ever Read, It Should Be Burnt. This book was very boring and didn't keep me interested at all. I had to read it for school and do a bunch of crappy projects over this pointless book. This book should be torched. And in a final insult to Johnny Tremaine, a customer writes, in a review entitled, This Book Was Horrible, this book was one of the worst fictional books I have ever read. If it wasn't for a school assignment, I never would have read the boring book. It didn't make any sense. Esther Forbes must have had her head in the clouds when she wrote that stupid book. And finally, let's end up with one-star reviews of Aldous Huxley's classic novel, Brave New World. And the first one-star review is called Fifth Greatest Novel of This Century? After reading 1984 twice, with great interest... I was enthusiastic about another wonderfully horrible anti-utopian novel. But I was really disappointed with BNW, supposedly the fifth greatest modern novel. 
The science talk was too bulky and lengthy, and very little of it contributed to the story. The characters failed to capture my interest, leaving me totally apathetic towards them and their trials. Their catchphrases, oh, Ford, with the many subconsciously learned rhymes especially, were important to the characterizations, but became very annoying after a while. At times, the quality of the text dropped notably, well below anything I'd consider to be of any literary value. Often at these points, the characters' events and time periods involved became very difficult to discern. The plot was interesting, but stretched to its absolute limits, laboriously squeezing every last drop out of the concept. Since this is required reading for high school seniors, I had no choice. Had free will been involved, I would have put this away after the first 25 pages or so. I don't understand why this work is acclaimed at all, never mind so highly. But this is, of course, only my opinion. Please don't send me any hate mail. The next review is entitled, A Dull Outlook on the Future. The novel Brave New World by Aldous Huck is about an English utopian society in the future. The main characters are one of 96 clones just like themselves, and the novel guides the reader through their everyday lives. Huxley introduces some interesting concepts and ideas, but the text lacks flavor. The tiresome novel slowly drags on discussing the differences between their culture and that of today. There is no distinct storyline to engulf the reader's desire to turn the pages, and it has a dry personality. Huxley declines to develop his characters, and they lack a certain realistic dimension. There isn't an identifiable incline, climax, or decline of the novel. Turning the pages is like drudging through a marshy swamp. Its dull continuation of information isn't intriguing. However, the thought that this type of society may someday consume our world does open up the reader's mind to a shocking truth. The novel is well-written, but isn't recommended for people under the age of 15 due to the many adult topics and concepts within. It is directed towards people interested in expanding their imaginations about possible future societies, but doesn't have the action and suspense to keep the pages turning, so don't be disappointed. The final one-star review of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World is entitled Huxley, A Modern-Day Nostra Dumbass. This book contains so much of what I dislike in would-be literature. It's a wash in generalities, blatantly didactic, guided by facile thought, caked with corny wordplay, and it displays no serious appreciation for language. It's not even an entertaining read. When it comes to characterization, Huxley is like a cataractous portrait artist who paints with a mop and roller. Inhabitants of the brave new world are daubed with such broad, dull strokes that they are essentially mannequins, modeling ideas rather than clothes. No character exhibits more than one single character trait, and that trait is always a contrivance. But this goes hand in hand with Huxley's message, you say. He's trying to make a point. Ugh, perhaps, but... Like all dime store artists and intellectuals, Huxley goes for the generic and general over the specific and particular. Huxley's sweeping generalizations capture none of the magic that makes each individual's experience so unique, complex, and interesting. Rather, they reduce human experiences to minuscule variations on simplistic, generic, and monotonous themes. As William Blake emphatically declared, to generalize is to be an idiot. This epithet fits Huxley to a T. But, of course, Huxley's muse traffics in pedantry, not poetry, and, without belaboring the point, Huxley's sociopolitical broodings are uniformly and embarrassingly obtuse, and his prognostications are no more prophetic than those contained in any horoscope. Regardless, I don't care for sociopolitical theorizing in storybook form. It is both intellectually and artistically lame. Another warning. Huxley's penchant for linguistic costume jewelry will call ardent lovers of language to wince repeatedly. Here is just one of Huxley's extended witlicisms. Quote, while our Ford was still on Earth, 
unquote. And, quote, cleanliness is next to Fordliness, unquote. And, quote, oh, for Ford's sake, unquote. Good Lord Ford, as in Henry. Get it? Get it? God help you if you're amused. Brave New World is so asinine and inartistic that it almost works as a parody of didactic literature. Brave New World Revisited shows that Huxley was not kidding, though. That Huxley was serious about his sophomoric ideas and silly writing provides some unintended and tangential humor, but only very little. Somewhat funnier is the fact that his book winds up in many literary lists and canons, which are themselves ridiculous, middle-brow gee-gaws, and slight and unintentional comic value. Final word. Brave New World is intellectually dull, artistically worthless, and more than a little kooky. Highly recommended to those who vehemently disagree with me. Everyone else can safely skip it. Well, those people feel very strongly about books. If someone gave me that last review to my face, I might punch them in the face. Because that is a very annoying review of that book. Um, not to say that I don't agree that it, that it wasn't my favorite book. But I think only children should review books, but then basically every book except books about the Power Rangers would be uh, getting the thumbs down. But I don't think that's going to happen. So anyway, this has been Lou Reed's The One Star Reviews of Classic Books on the Internet for you. Be sure to check out LouReads.com and be sure to subscribe in the iTunes or sign up for the RSS's feed, RSS feed so you can get my Lou Reads every week. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.